Some topics discussed on Blackbird and Advocacy Podcast can be difficult to hear. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, Blackbirds. Welcome to episode 48 of Blackbird and Advocacy Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Sarah, and um, I have a kind of crazy co-host running around right now, my my dog Chandler. Um Again, recording this during the week, so Dan is not going to be joining us, but nonetheless, we are going to get into a very, very important case. So today is April 28th, 2021, which marks Denim Day in the United States. This began in L.A., and has gone um, national through the entire United States. We'll get into a little bit of the history of it. But if you want to know more about the history, you can, of course, go to denimdayinfo.org. And you can also listen to our Denim Day mini-sode, which I think was our first ever mini-sode. Um, so happy anniversary or birthday or whatever to our first Minisode for for Denim Day, which was last uh, April 2020. As we continue through April, it is again, as we have said every episode this month, it is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. So today's episode is going to be all about the so-called Jeans Alibi from the court system in Italy. And the case itself that created Denim Day. In 1998, in southern Italy, driving instructor Carmine Cristiano, who was 45 years old at the time, was convicted of raping an 18-year-old driving student whom he had in the vehicle with him in 1992. The student, who only goes by the name of Rosa, said that Cristiano had taken her to an isolated road while they were supposed to be on an outing for her driving instruction. He pulled her out of the vehicle, removed her jeans, and forcefully raped her. And she ended up not telling her parents for a little while after the rape because, again, it could have been for so many reasons, um, but she ended up telling her parents eventually that this happened and he was arrested and subsequently convicted of the rape. However, at first, he was only convicted and sentenced to a much lesser charge only for indecent exposure. Then Rosa appealed and it resulted in a subsequent conviction on all charges. He was sentenced to two years and eight months in prison. So let's first just think about that. He originally wasn't even brought up on charges of rape. So the court system, the law enforcement system, the legal system, all of it didn't even see what he had done as rape. It had to take the appeal of the victim or survivor, Rosa, to say, no, no, this is what happened to me. And I'm not going to stand for 
him just being brought up on indecent exposure charges. That's not what happened. It wasn't just indecent exposure. It was so much more. And I commend her for that. That was absolutely incredible of her to do because at first she was probably really, really scared to tell anybody about this. And then after the fact, it, it seemed like she maybe got more empowered the the more this went on. And maybe the more the more this went on, she got more angry and said, I, I'm not going to take it the way that it is. I want the charges to be what they are supposed to be. He raped an 18-year-old student. So not only did he rape someone, but he used his authority as a teacher to control his student, ending up raping her. He only got two years and eight months. So 1998 in Italy, he gets two years, eight months. Thankfully, he was convicted, but that is such a short sentence and we see that happen here as well and it's it needs to change that those things need to change it's essentially again just a slap on the wrist it's it's basically telling the perpetrators the rapists themselves that it's okay to get away with these things you can do them you can do your your two years time or however long you know here we've we've seen them as little as like four months and then you can be out in the free world again and, and be out in society and can perpetrate against however many more people you want because there's no reform. There's no there's no actual repercussions for these people. I mean, you know, yeah, prison sucks, but spending a few months, two years, whatever it is, that little time is not going to change somebody's attitude towards this type of criminality and it is just telling other people that if you do these things you'll be able to get away with them so again it's it's just it's not making the perpetrator responsible for their actions however as terrible as the short sentence was in 1999 cristiano's defense team filed an appeal stating that it was consensual sex because the girl was wearing jeans. So this is what they have dubbed the jeans alibi. Now, <laughs> we will say probably a billion times this episode that it is never the victim's fault for any sort of sexual abuse. It is always 100% the perpetrator's fault. But unfortunately, the appeals court in Italy, um, I believe this went up to like their highest court or something, um, but the appeals court agreed with Cristiano's reason for appeal and sent the case back for retrial. So essentially they vacated his his conviction and his sentencing and sent this back for retrial because they agreed that due to the victim having worn jeans during that during the rape that she must have consented to 
having sex with Cristiano. Now, you're probably sitting there going, what does genes have to do with it? Why would that mean that you consent to sex? How in the world are we equating the two? And those are all very good questions. So if you if you are questioning that, good on you. The court said that genes are tight. So any pants, including genes, that are tight fitting requires the the person who's wearing them to actively help in the removal of the garment. So that means that the court is saying the victim in this case consented to having sex with Cristiano. This wasn't rape in their in their minds because she was wearing tight jeans that she must have had to help remove during the encounter. There's so much wrong with that. <laughs> so, so, so much wrong. Again, it is never the victim's fault. It doesn't matter if she helped take off the jeans or not. If she did help take off the jeans, it could have potentially been a, a, a fight or flight mechanism. So we talked about fight, flight, fawn or freeze. Those are the four main um, psychological and physiological things that happen during an, an instance of trauma, which is exactly what this is. So this could have been a, a fawn response from her where she was complying with what her perpetrator was saying and doing so that she could just get out of the situation and not make it worse. It could have 100% been a physiological response. And she was just doing this so that she could save her life. She doesn't know what's going to happen after this. Nobody knows what's going to happen after after they're raped. They don't know if they could be murdered or something else. So that was probably what happened. But we don't really have a lot of information on the court records. So it's very difficult. And we just have to unfortunately speculate but that's one thing that could have happened if she did indeed help take off the jeans. What else is is wrong with this is is the fact that she doesn't even have to help take off the jeans. I mean, if the perpetrator is overpowering her, he could have easily just taken the jeans off. Yes, sometimes tight jeans are difficult to take off, but if somebody is being that aggressive and somebody has that much adrenaline going, which is usually what's happening during an attack, they can probably take off that pair of jeans or pants or whatever it is more easily than we would assume. So she may not have helped take off the jeans at all, and that whole story is just complete bullshit. And then, of course, there's always the, the cliche, I guess you can say, that I always say over and over and over and over, that even if either of those things happened, it is not her fault. She did not consent to having sex with this man. And and the fact that the court said it was, it, it must have been consensual just because she was wearing tight jeans is is absurd absolutely absurd. So that is where Denim Day originates from. This 1999 overturning of the conviction 
based on what they called the Jean's alibi. After this overturning, female lawmakers in Italy wore jeans to Parliament to protest the ruling by Italy's highest appeals court. The international media picked up this protest by Italian uh, parliamentary women um, because they were wearing these jeans on the steps of the Supreme Court in Italy. And it inspired the executive director of Peace Over Violence, Patty Ocuso-Giggins, I hope I said that correctly, and she believed that everyone should wear jeans to protest what was going on in Italy. And it's the whole thing of, you know, well, what were you wearing? And so it seems as though women just can't wear anything to to satisfy that question. Um, it seems that if they're wearing absolutely nothing, they get they get criticized for for not wearing anything. Well, you should have been wearing something. Or if they're wearing a dress, well, you should have been wearing something that was covering more of you than, you know, a flowy dress that that somebody could go directly under. Or if they're wearing jeans, well, you know, you had to have been complicit in this because those are too tight for the person to take off by themselves you had to have helped so it must have been consensual so it's just it's just perpetuating this whole women just can't do anything women can't satisfy anything in this rape culture society and so peace over violence caught on to this and was like you know what we really need to start bringing more awareness to this and change the view of this whole well what were you wearing in 2011, Denim Day took over not only just L.A., but 20 other states in observance of this, uh, which was 12 years after the first hosting of Denim Day in L.A. Peace Over Violence launched Denim Day USA, and 20 other states joined in the campaign of bringing awareness to this this situation and what had happened in this case and not allowing the jeans alibi to become an overwhelming source for for criticism of victims in 2014 because jeans are the symbol of this uh guess actually signed on as the official fashion sponsor of denim day so Guess was like, you know what, we're jumping on this too. It's great marketing for us and it's a great cause. So why not? And if you didn't know, while Guess is a decidedly U.S. company, it is headquartered in Los Angeles. It is run by the Marciano brothers, uh, George, Maurice, Paul and Armand, who are from Italy. So it was an even bigger thing for guests to sign on on onto this because again it was just it was more italian you know residents community members who were saying this is not okay we need to change this and so in 2015 the guest foundation partnered with local agencies and brought the campaign back to italy itself for denim day europe and then in 2016, Denim Day ended up going completely global and it was established and observed 
in Spain on May 2nd. And it reached over 100 different countries, becoming a global campaign. The 2016 campus activation also happened with USC becoming the first official college campus hosted by guests and peace over violence. And we continue to this day to show our support and essentially protest that jeans alibi every single April on Denim Day. And it changes the date every year, but it's usually the last Wednesday of April. And it's just, it's again to show support, it's to show that we do not agree with what the courts in Italy had um, had done, the decision that they made, and that we are not okay with this culture of, well, what were you wearing? And so with that, I really hope that everybody is wearing their denim today, whether it be actual jean, you know, pants or a jean vest or a denim jacket or denim patches somewhere. Just show your solidarity, show your support, wear that denim in any way you you can. And it will it just it brings more awareness to the situation at hand. So that's going to conclude today's episode. And I know it was a short one, but there isn't much other information about the case of Rosa. Uh, For more information on the history of Denim Day, you can go to denimdayinfo.org slash history. And of course, I will put that in the show notes. And I will put all other references for this episode in the show notes as well. If you or someone you know would like to share a story on Blackbird, you can email us at blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com. And you can find us at our bite size, B-Y-T-E-S-I-Z-E dot M-E slash Blackbird Advocacy for all of our socials and all of our podcast platforms. Because today's case took place in Italy, I am going to provide the sexual assault hotline for those in Italy. This is from the Rape Crisis Network Europe. So this is for a lot of different countries in Europe. I will, of course, put it in the show notes. But for Italy, it is rcne.com slash contact slash countries slash Italy. And the phone number is plus three nine zero five five six zero two three one one for violence against women and plus three nine zero five five six zero one three seven five for violence against children. You can also email them at c f r a n c i at f o l dot i t. And again, I will put this all in the show notes. So Tomorrow we will bring you another episode because we are getting through them this week to get to number 50 on Friday. And I am so excited about 50 and I really hope that you stay tuned and listen to 50 because it's one that's really, really important to me. And with that, stay safe, be aware of your surroundings, continue to social distance if you can, and please get vaccinated when possible. I will see you all tomorrow.